if we don't have a higher consciousness of our own narrative, how do we intend to change or evolve or, or, or improve the narrative of a group of people, right? And that's, that's, it starts with leadership. I am thrilled to bring you part one of my conversation with Guillaume Viatra. In this two-part conversation, we explore his strategic narrative model. With this framework, Guillaume supports CEOs, founders, and business owners of transformative companies align their teams and accelerate innovation for adoption. You may be willing to accept that we all operate from our own narratives, our stories about our experiences and what these experiences mean to us. But did you also know that our organizations operate from narratives, whether we are aware of it or not? When we are struggling, either individually or as an organization, this is an indication that our strategic narrative is out of alignment. We will discuss these parallels in part one. In part two, we will also go deeper into the application of the model at the organizational level and learn how the strategic narrative approach can help us align leadership, culture, sales, and marketing. If you feel like the parts of your business are competing against one another, then you're going to love this approach. Thank you for being here today. Hello, my name is Mary Maduna Gross, and you're listening to Fully Alive, the podcast for conscious entrepreneurs who are hungry to live their purpose, expand their impact, and create with ease. Guillaume, thank you so much for your time today. I, I have really been looking forward to our conversation about strategic narrative. Um, but before we jump into it, because I can tell I'm very anxious about this, I would love it if you would give us some context. Who are you and what led you to creating the strategic narrative? Guillaume is a, is a French guy who was once lost in translation in the US in 2008. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I, I want to start there because that's really, I think, the topic, the theme of my life. I'm a very curious person. Oh. Uh, you know, from the what what is it that I do from a, from a professional standpoint? I'm a consultant. I've always been a consultant. Uh, I want, always wanted to be a consultant, and I've been doing this work for depending on on where where really we are talking twenty five to thirty years. Mm -hmm. uh, and I relocated to the United States in two thousand and eight because my wife is from here. It's a career I wanted to continue here. And it took, the, the timing was not just conducive to this. It took me to different paths. And because I'm a very curious person, uh, my background is very diverse. I majored in finance. I have a degree in marketing. I actually um, uh, took a break in my career to become a professional pianist because I love art. Wow. And uh, took psychology classes because I'm passionate about, the, about humankind, if you will. So it's difficult to put me in a box, Mary. Yes, uh, it's a bit difficult. Um, but what I would say is that now I'm established in Seattle. Mm -hmm. I have a family and became a U.S. citizen in 2018, uh, really living the narrative of uh, of the entrepreneur that I, I define as, as such, mm -hmm. uh, carrying, I think, maybe a legacy from from my from generations of other entrepreneurs in France. Uh, everyone in my family had some kind of a business, big or small was always living uh, between the office and the, and the, and the kitchen uh, seven days a week, 24 seven. 
so I grew up like this and I still, I continue to live this and I really enjoy it. Yeah. So tell me a lot, part of your story, you just said it was rooted in families as entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Was there any story? Cause since we're talking about narratives and stories today, yeah. was there any story that you got from your family about entrepreneurship that you have since shifted? Yes, many the relationship to work in particular i grew up with workaholics okay and i thought it was the only way to live for a while until i realized this isn't my story <laughs> i want to work differently i want to balance this out and so i had to go through therapy mm -hmm. and realize that i was actually repeating the same trauma that my family had experienced and i wanted to put an end to this that's okay. an example. That's an example. My relationship to work. So now yes. I founded MetaHelm, a boutique strategy consulting firm uh, in Seattle in 2017. This is my fourth venture. And at the premise of MetaHelm was this idea that uh, this company would not only bring awesome value to their clients, but also would give me a chance to uh, forge a different kind of narrative for my entrepreneurial story. Yeah. So there was this element as well. And since then, it's it's an ongoing work, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't have this perfect at all. Right. I don't think anyone <laughs> I, has. I'm going to be very, very authentic here as much as I can. And it's it's a it's a it's a daily uh you know it's a daily work you know obviously and and I'm, I'm guessing all the entrepreneurs that are will listen to this episode this recording will recognize themselves there there's ongoing work with how we show up as a leader what kind of business we want to forge and and for what reason what are we learning through this experience right exactly you know, and I love it that you put that question, what are we learning through this experience? Because to me, what that suggests is that we're really focused on the journey, not necessarily the destination. Like we have a destination mm -hmm. in mind. Yeah, we want to move in that direction. Mm -hmm. But I think that was one mm -hmm. of the stories that I've had to shift um, as I became an entrepreneur is I was always focused on the end game. Like uh, I want to get to the end and I want to get to the end of this as quickly as possible, mm -hmm. right? And so then I can move on to the next. And that was my version of workaholism, right? Because yeah. there's there's never an end to that. And and so my story has shifted now to somebody had mentioned uh described entrepreneurship as a big experiment. Right, right. And <laughs> I love that analogy because now I can I have my end goals. I know I know where I'm going or I want to go, but um I'm now in the journey. I'm focused mm. on the journey and um, that has shifted everything for me because now it's not my anxiety of I'm not to the end yet, mm -hmm. right? Oh my gosh, I haven't, I haven't accomplished this yet or I haven't finished this yet. Now it's what have I learned from that action that I took today that I can then use to make decisions about what I'm doing tomorrow or, or you know, in the future. Are you learning something new every day? I'm always learning something new. And, and I would say the thing I've learned this week is mm -hmm. just how much uh, the universe conspires on my behalf. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I've just had so many experiences this week of 
I'm going to say divine intervention. I'm not a religious person at all, but there's no way. I just came from a conscious entrepreneur summit last mm -hmm. week in mm -hmm. Colorado. And, and, and I'm still really um, on, on a high from that. And I thought, oh, how can I do this here in Chicago? And wouldn't you know it, while I was gone, somebody reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, hey, I'm the you know president of the Conscious Capitalism Group here in Chicago. I'd love to chat with you. Like, holy smokes. Ha-ha. <laughs> Timing. <laughs> Timing. The universe conspires for you, right? It does. It yeah. does. So, I so I love this conversation about stories because mm -hmm. I just really believe that as an individual, what we create is a, an expression of the stories that we live by. Right. Would, you, right. would you agree with that? Absolutely. That's what I call the narrative. I, I wanna I wanna take this opportunity here to maybe define what I will be. Uh, I like to talk about because. Yes. Uh, there, I noticed there is confusion between the word story and the word narrative. Most people understand it as similar, they are synonyms. And even myself for many years until um, I, I did that, I used to do that until one day I caught myself writing an, an article about, uh, I can't remember what it was exactly, but I, in a sentence I was using those two words interchangeably and I thought, wait a minute, I had this light bulb moment, kind of like you with your you know universe was conspiring for me and asked yeah. me to stop there when we talk about a story for me a story is something that happened to someone it's it's a series it's a pretty it could be a, a linear thing okay. and depending on which storytelling book you will uh you will open to understand the structure behind stories will always notice that there is a beginning a middle and an end i mean i'm oversimplifying sure. but basically that's what it's at its core a narrative, on the other end, is an interpretation of that series of events. In fact, it's a viewpoint, right? It's how the story unfolded. You and I could look at the same glass of water and you could say it's half full and I could say it's half empty. We have two different narratives for the same story. And so oh, I want to make okay. that I want to make that clarification because your question ties to this, to that concept. Yes. And once you understand this and once you practice a higher sense of awareness for what the narrative is going to be then this distinction becomes a very powerful tool for change individual change and collective change thank you for for um clarifying that let me see if i have it right sure so um let's say going back to my experience i have a story that i was at a conference last week in colorado mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a story um, that can be verified. My narrative about it is what it meant to me, what exactly. I learned from it. Okay. Absolutely. What, okay. It means, what it means to you. Yes. So I, I, I wanted to start out by talking about our individual narratives mm -hmm. that we uh, operate from because I wanted to ask you or, or ask you to help us see the connection between the processes that we use to live by our own narratives and then the processes that you do you use with companies around strategic narrative is mm -hmm. there is there something similar or are they different so strategic narrative is the name of my method to to help organizations and people grow something that i call narrative power narrative mm -hmm. power is your ability to influence and sometimes even dictate norms values and actions in your life or around you so if you take the example of a company it could be how we sell 
how we deliver products, how we are recognized outside. So narrative power is your ability to forge that perception in people's mind. And your question is, which people exactly? Is this the collective mind or the individual mind? The answer is both. In fact, in my, in my world, there are there is there is no difference between collective and individual. In the collective is 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 more than the sum of individual. And then uh, m many many people when they think about storytelling will won't make a difference. But I look first and foremost at the individual level because if they if we don't have a higher consciousness of our own narrative, how do we intend to change or evolve or or, or improve the narrative of a group of people? Right. Yes. And that's, that's, it starts with leadership. Yes. It starts with leadership. So, so the phenomenon is the phenomenon is is you know are the same. They're the same structure. They're the same processes. They're just activated differently. Okay. And if it's a large group of people, it takes more time. It's more complex. There are more nuances. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a different appetite and 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 uh, agility towards change. Right. Right. Whereas at the individual level, you can make decisions right away. At a group exactly. level, <laughs> sometimes, most of the time, I hope you're not a dictator. <laughs> <laughs> you're, go you're going to want to bring people along. You're, you're going to want people to put their fingerprints on higher narrative power for a group of people, mm -hmm. for an organization. Did I did that answer the question or did that I start? Think it, I think it did. And okay, okay. a new question has popped up. Okay. <laughs> I'm as you're describing okay. that, mm -hmm. I find myself thinking, does every organization operate from a narrative, whether they're conscious of it or not? Yes. Every organization, every the, narratives are the definition of humankind. Okay. It, it's, it's the reason. Um, uh, it's a reason why uh, we exist as a species because of our ability to interpret reality, mm -hmm. right? We survived, and there is a great book called Sapiens, um, and it's I think it's in the first or second chapter. Is the and uh, Yuval Harari is the author. I, okay. I really I really recommend this read. Uh, explains very, very clearly with a great example. It takes actually the example of a French company called Peugeot. They manufacture cars. Okay. And explains very clearly why our species survived other species. Because thanks to our ability to imagine myth, imagine to, to, to imagine a future that doesn't exist. Right? Yeah. So, so our, our capacity, the capacity of our brain to create interpretation of reality is what helps us live helps us organize helps us stay in peace or defeat adversaries or um, start to believe in in a future that is better it's the foundation for religions political parties mm -hmm. um, corporate organizations us as an individual being so whether you want it or not you do have a narrative you do yeah. have a narrative uh, and maybe that narrative is favorable or toxic mm -hmm. right or, or 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 used to be favorable and needs to be changed like yeah. a, a narrative an example i like to to uh to that that we all know is the example of recycling why do mm -hmm. we recycle things so so it's a question i actually let's do a quick a quick okay. <laughs> test here why do you why do you think we recycle things marie well um i know i put things in the recycled bin because i don't want it to end up in a landfill 
okay, and why don't you want to end up, uh, why, why don't you want these items to end up in landfill? Because I think that's going to destroy land that uh, we could use for mm -hmm. other things. Great. How does this make you feel? Uh, the po that possibility um, makes me feel irresponsible that um, my garbage could be harming a, the planet that will be here long after I'm gone. Got you. So last question, how do you feel when you put the recyclable item in the blue bin? I feel like I'm doing something. You're doing something. What is it that you're doing? Oh, maybe I have a subsequent question. <laughs> uh, well, I feel like I'm being as, I'm taking responsibility for the footprint that I'm leaving here. Okay, great, great. So this is exactly the feeling that packaging and plastic manufacturers wanted you to experience when they created the concept of recycling. Mm -hmm. In the 50s, they were starting to see uh, their sales drop and they couldn't understand why people were not more excited about buying more plastic stuff. Mm -hmm. And they researched that and they noticed that and they, they, they research, their research you know, got them to realize that people were feeling guilty about this. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to you know, fill up the landfills mm -hmm. and, and be bad citizens. They, they felt like they, they had a responsibility towards uh, what they're consuming, right? Right. And so they came up with this idea that, well, wait a minute, we, have, we know people who would be glad to buy those uh, disposed items once they've been used and recycle them. Mm -hmm. What a great idea. We're just going to create that concept. And they hired a designer to even design, you know, that the, the logo with the logo, three arrows yeah. in, in the 60s. And it, it, it's uh, they created that system and changed the narrative around using packaging to help us. And that's these are my words. This is, this is how mm -hmm. I interpret this. To help us not only dispose of something that we don't need anymore, but also dispose of our guilt. Right. Wow. So it was a, it was a beautifully fabricated, very positive, uh, very positive system with the narrative that, yeah, I do this. Our viewpoint on this is now positive. Our viewpoint yes. on, on consumption is, is, is now positive. Now, fast forward 30 or 40 years, 60 years later, statistic shows that only seven six to seven percent of what we throw in the recycle bin is actually recycled right. so that narrative now has become has, be, has become toxic right so right I, and I, and i'm i'm with you marie you know i i want to feel the same i completely hear and understand and i feel what you feel also i i am here and we throw things in the recycle but um every week with my family but i can't i can not help to think okay how do we change this? How do we change this? So, so new, newer, newer, you know, more recent companies started developing better systems. They're not very well known. We have a company, uh, a Seattle-based company here called Ridwell, that helps people change that system. Hmm. So that, that that's that's an example of a of a narrative that has evolved and is is hopefully going to evolve. Uh, and we struggle with this because now we're tied to problems like job creations and you know economy not growing as fast or things like that economical uh stakes things right. are at stakes bigger than bigger than than just our feelings of guilt or not yeah so is, a, yeah yeah so i guess i'm also hearing that when they created when they shifted that narrative they mm -hmm. shifted the narrative to align with the beliefs that we wanted to have, right? We wanted right. to be responsible. So they they gave us a logo and, and marketing 
piece that says you're being responsible by doing this. Yes, absolutely. Don't, so so it's, yeah. it, it's tied to what people want to buy also. So it, it's tied to what we want as consumers or what right. we're ready to accept. Okay. So let me take this back to, I, I want to connect it to the personal so that I yep. can see it at an organizational level. So at an organizational level, excuse me, at a, at a personal level, I know that our narratives, mm -hmm. the way that we interpret our stories is based on the beliefs that we have about ourselves, the values that we yep. have, our expectations. Yep. Um, and, and through the story, it sounds like that's very similar, again, processes are happening at an organizational level. So yeah, let's exactly. let's look at what are those values. Let's look at what are those beliefs, and mm -hmm. then how can our narrative align with what our prospects are wanting? Yes, absolutely. That's okay. at the you 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 did the translate. I mean, you your explanation is better than mine. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. So I also know that at an individual level, that our biggest challenge is, is realizing that the narratives that we're living with, we've created. Mm -hmm. right based on those beliefs and those values how does an organization start to examine their narrative because again i, I want to back up just a minute mm -hmm. as an individual when we're operating from our narrative it's that lens right it's the lens that we're looking through and we are, may not even be aware that this is a lens and that other possibilities also exist right how does an organization start to do that examination Thank you again for being here for this conversation today. In part two, which will be released next week, we will go deeper into the application of the model at the organizational level and learn how the strategic narrative approach can help us align leadership, culture, sales, and marketing. Thank you for listening. Are you ready to play and experiment with these ideas so that you too can live your purpose, expand your impact, and create with ease? Join us at Fully Alive on Facebook. We've created this space to explore the effects these practices and principles can have on your own experience. And if you're feeling the nudge to explore what coaching can do for you, send me an email at mary at bluebambooleadership.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be fully alive.